You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 816 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening into Monday. Monday is Labor Day. We're a little bit loose on the podcast today. And joining me in the middle of doing other things and to talk about the NBA playoffs, because we were talking about them anyway offline, so I figured why not talk about them online. Robbie Callen is here. Hello, sir. What's going on, man? You know, it's Sunday. Uh... I, I don't have to do a show necessarily on Labor Day, but it's it's Labor Day. People pe- people want some content, and uh, we were talking about the playoffs, so why not talk about them now? And uh, people were asking me about the Bucks yeah. a lot over the last couple of days, I will say. So uh, yeah. because you and I have covered the Mike Budelzer experience, sure I it would be a good time to dive in on that. And uh, you know, people probably know this by now, but the Bucks came back and won on Sunday to keep the series alive. This was not a full blown post mortem as, as a result of that, but they're in some trouble. Even after the win today, uh, I mean, broadly speaking, uh, I, I want I want to know your take on on this whole situation. Uh, how you feeling about Bud? Giannis is hurt now. They won without him. There's lots of things to cover on the Bucks, and uh, some of them need nuance, and nuance is dead, as we all know. So uh, yes, we could try to get we could, we, could, we could we could try to bring a little bit of it now, I suppose. Fire him? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that like we know Bud is a good coach. But there is like this really frustrating stubbornness um, that holds him back in certain situations and with certain matchups that don't fit what he wants a team to do. And I think we're seeing that with this Miami series. I mean, this is this was the team that throughout everybody was like, okay, like this is kind of a nightmare matchup for Miami. I think, or for uh, for Milwaukee, and and a lot of the focus was on. Uh, the three-point shooting, and rightfully so, as as Hawks fans are well aware, Bud's defensive system is you pack the paint and you give up three-pointers. Now, the goal, of course, is to give up the three-pointers to inferior shooters, if you can. Uh, so, like, in theory, they don't want to let Duncan Robinson get loose, but, like, it is built into the system that Jay Crowder is supposed to shoot threes uh, against Milwaukee. Like, that's what Bud wants. And when Jay Crowder makes six of them, they're in trouble. Um, and so it's it's everybody pointed to that, but I mean, like what they've been able to do defensively against Giannis um, is something that we really haven't seen from anybody other than uh, you know Boston and Toronto. And it's because of what um, it's it's because of Bam Adebayo and having Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler and. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., who's a really good defender. Everybody knows him for dunking, but he is a really active, long, uh, good defensive player. Uh, and it's really the reason he gets on the floor. It's not, it's, you know, he's not a shooter. Um, and so they just, they have a really good roster to go up against this Milwaukee team. And everybody wondered like, will Bud make adjustments? Like I wrote in my, like how Milwaukee can win or how Miami can win. It's like, is Bud going to be willing to make adjustments when they are presented as necessary? And the answer to this point has been no. And it's the thing that hurts a team that is so, so 
so good at what they do is when you hit them in the mouth and demand that they do something different, there's a stubbornness of like, no, we won 60 games doing this. We can win four in a series. And that's not always the case. Um, and, and I think it's what we've seen against Toronto uh, last year. And I think, it, I think it's what we're seeing here is like the rotation will not shorten until forced, as we saw today when Giannis went out and they played Middleton 47 minutes. Um, like they just, they just do what they do. They play Kyle Korver a lot of minutes. They, you know, play these four or five man bench units, you know, for extended periods and, it just it doesn't work when the other team is throwing at you a shorter rotation and their best players for longer. Your advantage with the bench unit is against other bench units, not against other starters. And so that's why in the postseason, teams with really good bench units, if they don't have the top-level talent, usually that's why you say talent beats out on depth in the playoffs is for that reason. The Bucks, they have the top level talent, but they don't always play them enough, uh, and that's been a very you know talked about thing. Um, and I mean, we kind of saw it in in Game Five today or Game Four today, like they played Brooke a lot, they played Chris forty seven, they played Bledsoe a lot, like fewer bench minutes. I don't even think I saw Corver on the floor all game. I could be wrong; he might have gotten some burn early. Um, but it, it's just it, it's too late for those adjustments at three at three zero. Yeah, I mean they they should have won they should have won game three. Uh, that that's what it comes down to. I mean, obviously they, you know, all of the takes were justified. We we made some uh, in games one and two about how Bud just is being Bud and being incredibly stubborn, and this is nothing new for us having covered him. He is, in, is he was great for Milwaukee in that he took over two years ago overhauled the whole thing and they were so much yeah. better than they were previously but oh, yeah. he is uh he's someone who is very set in his ways um even even the quotes we were laughing about um a couple of the quotes that are just extremely bud on brand quotes like the one that got a lot of tick after the game after game three after the after the implosion pushing was the he, ceiling yeah the pushing the ceiling quote about Giannis and Milton at 35 36 minutes was just you can't say that even if you nope. even if you think even if you, even if for some reason you think that you, you can't say that in that spot especially when everyone's already been talking about it for two straight games and now game three and by the way the worst fourth quarter differential in playoff history they were minus 27 in the fourth quarter of a must-win game when they were winning like that's not the time to come out and talk about how you basically basically double down on your on on your beliefs about limiting minutes. It's just not the time to do that. It, I mean, to, I, I don't know. I think I mean like the thing is is and I think this is like it's the ultimate argument against process over results stuff is like this insistence that like the cuz everything with I'm trying to I, again. This is me trying to make a nuanced point on analytics and not say and not be Chris Weber yelling about stuff. <laughs> analytics, um, Alex. But like the thing with analytics, everything is on you know large sample size. That's what you're basing everything off of, and that's why small sample size theater is a thing that you talk about. But the playoffs are inherently a small sample size, and if you are not able to adjust 
when you start seeing things swing, if you want to keep holding on and holding on and holding on, eventually you cross a threshold of, oh no, we've waited too long because your season long results, like the reason this works season long, is like you go through ups and downs, it's whatever, like on the whole, it should turn out better. But when things are going wrong, like streakiness matters so much more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. You have to be willing to make some adjustments and some changes to what you do if what you're doing isn't working. Um, And it can hurt being the best team in the league and suddenly not being the best team in the league because you just have this almost blind faith that it's going to come back. And sometimes it just doesn't come back in a, in a seven-game series in time. And I, no. and I think that's, that's what we've seen thus far. Yeah, and it finally, you know, today they played much differently after Giannis got hurt and left the game. And, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to give Bud credit for that because they really just kind of had to change what they do. They gave Middleton more eyes. But Middleton played great, and that's worth pointing out. Like, he's he's yeah. good. Um, Chris Middleton's a very good player. Um, but even then, like, the you know, I'm, I'm not I'm going to make fun of this now, but there's the uh, Better Without Giannis folks that are out there after today. Um, that's obviously, obviously insane. Easy. Um, but, you know, and, and Giannis was actually really awesome today before he 18, got hurt. 19, 19 and 11. Yeah, 19, 19, 19 points, points in 11 minutes. In 11 minutes. Uh, he was the second leading scorer today. It didn't play the final 40 minutes of the game, which is <laughs> – that's hard to do. Uh, but And by the way, they were plus two when he played. So that's just kind of stupid. But regardless, like th- they did play a little bit differently. I think offensively, I, I would hope – that they would incorporate a little bit of a little bit more of what they did without Giannis today, not because of it being without Giannis, but because it actually works. Like getting Chris Middleton isoed on Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero is is a successful thing. Attacking, like my, attacking switches, they were really good at today. Yeah, and they kind of figured that out on the fly and had to be. But you know, Miami has a lot of good defenders, but pretty much at all times they're playing someone of that Dragic Hero. Robinson trio and if those guys get, uh, try to cover Chris Middleton it's not going to end well we saw that today so that's that's at least one matchup you can try to go at a little bit in the way that Bud doesn't like to do that but he did it today so credit to that they, they finally did a little bit of that attacking when they absolutely had to and you know they're probably going to lose the series they're down 3-1 uh I will say this they have a non-zero chance to win this series I thought that even before I, today I but yeah. um, just because they are, I think they, you know, we were wrong about this, I think, but I thought they were going to win the East. I think they are still better than Miami. It's a terrible matchup. Um, I, I definitely understated that matchup issue. And I actually thought somewhere in the deep recesses of my mind that Bud might actually adjust and Bud didn't yeah, actually adjust. Was... Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe I'll learn my lesson now and just not trust all of that. They're still going to lose, I think, but it's not over, over because they won today. And, you know, if, We'll see if Giannis can play and all that stuff. If Giannis doesn't play, they can't win. But it's it's interesting to say the least. I, I do want to before we get you know any further into this. I want to ask you because you know Bud was all but fired on Twitter on you know Friday and Saturday. Um, I I wonder how you feel about that because it's really interesting to me. Bud was never going to get fired in Atlanta. I know he he sort of kind of did at the end, but he forced his way out. It was a bizarre situation. Um, but guys with his resume in Milwaukee. Uh, two seasons of which they were the best team in the league both years. Um, coach of the year and coach of the year runner-up. I, I know guys have been fired after coach of the years, but not with the way that, that this team has gone so far. But 
I also, on the other hand, understand it because you cannot lose in the fashion that they've lost this series so far and be unscathed, especially with Giannis hanging out there. So there's a lot of, again, nuance to touch on this, but where do you kind of fall on the Bud might deserve to get canned slash he's too good to be fired and then the Giannis factor? There's just a lot going on there. I mean, look, here's the thing is like, I don't think, I I think after the last couple of years, like there's no reason to believe he can't be fired. Um, There's no reason like to believe he should be Teflon in this situation. Like he's done a great job with that team, but er, like the, the best teams make these adjustments in series and the best coaches make these adjustments. And we've seen that from, you know, we've seen basically every coach that you would say is like at that elite tier in these playoffs has been pressing different buttons and kind of pulling different strings than they did in the regular season, whether it's Nick nurse in Toronto, where he'll, you know, like he's pretty quick to shut it down to a seven man rotation in the playoffs. I mean, that they played eight guys in game four against Boston. One of those was a Matt Thomas experiment for three minutes that he pulled the <laughs> plug on immediately. Um, and like, then he was like, okay, this is who we run with. We run with the starting five, Mark Gasol and Norman Powell. And that's it. And that that's what they're going to do. Um, and it's, it's worked. And like, he's playing Pascal and these guys 40 minutes. And like, that's a coach who has been through it. Who's seen how the playoffs go. And just is like, okay, like you've got to make the adjustments, but also at some point you just got to play your guys. And I, I think Bud has long hope that he could wait and wait and wait to pull the trigger on that and playing Giannis a lot of minutes. But it's just one of those things where at some point you just, you just have to. And I, I think the thing for, and then like Brad Stevens with like, okay, like we're going to play Robert Williams a bunch in this Toronto series. And that's planned out really nicely for, for them at least early on. And now it's time to maybe adjust that game plan because they've, they've kind of figured out how to, how to deal with, with, with him a little more. And it's like, these coaches are willing to press different buttons and, and at least try something when stuff's not working. And it just, the problem is it looks so bad when you don't, you know, like you can't even be like, well, I tried this and it wasn't working. So we're going to go back to what we do. If all you are willing to do is say, this is how we got here. This is how we're going to play. Then you can't really say you tried anything. And I well, think especially, that's you know, I, that's why I came to a head in game three, because if there was ever a spot in the world in which you would come out and throw everything on the table, it's down two Oh in this series. And they didn't do it. And that I think that's that's what really got everybody, even the people that um, I don't think are crazy and that are nuanced people were kind of, you know, rightly so going in on Bud because, you know, you can sort of defend it until game three. And then when you come out and your big guns don't play extra minutes and you don't really change anything and Giannis is sitting, sitting in the second half, Milton's sitting in the second half, like you can't defend that, especially as they completely crumble. And I know, you know, I want to point out that Bud does not make everybody on the team miss every shot in the fourth quarter of that game in game three. Like there is some, there's always some other factors involved because like there was a lot of bad play by players and shot making and stuff, but you got to know you're going to get the heat when you don't, when you didn't make those changes in the biggest game of your season. And it it ended that way. I don't know. At the end of the, this is not a sexy answer. At the end of the day, uh, if Giannis wants Bud to be fired, they're going to fire Bud. Um, Uh, Yeah. That's where I was eventually getting to is like, this all comes down to Giannis because here's the thing is like at this point, like everything they do is 
in effort to keep Giannis. Oh yeah. And so whatever he says, that's going to dictate the decision. If Bud's back next year, it's because Giannis said, I want Bud back. If Bud's not back next year, it's because Giannis said, get somebody else in here. You and have the to imagine is, they're at least going to ask him. I mean, if they if they don't if they don't go to Giannis and say, "Look, not oh, like leaving. make not not make the decision, but at least ask him," that's uh, they've lost. That that would be very very silly. They have to try yeah. to get Giannis. No, to I mean do this is a, this is a guy who can leave next year, right? And is a back to back MVP. You're not doing anything without his approval. You would hope, like you just can't, like. And if you do, guess what? He's gone. Like if they make a coaching decision without Giannis, he's gone. Yeah, it's the same thing as that's like not, you know, that's not even like hyperbole. I would imagine that's right, and and you know he's now hurt be, honestly, right? And he's now hurt for maybe you know there's some he was apparently in a boot Possibly of some so. sort after the game. He I might just be done. Just precautionary. Yeah, and he might be done. We'll see uh, how that goes. And that's the other thing where uh, they're in a bad spot, and there's nothing they can do about this. But if but if Giannis wants to play and they don't let him, he may, he may be mad about that. Or yep. if he does, or if he plays, they let him play and he gets hurt again. He might be mad about, mad about that too. There's a lot of weirdness there. We've seen with high-profile injuries in the past, like the KD one, for instance. That's it's a it's different injury, but yep. it the the info is really big on this kind of thing. Like between now uh, and Tuesday when they play again, they got to be on the same page, team and player. And Giannis, there was a report from Woj that Giannis wanted to play today, like wanted to go back in today, and they were like, "No, you can't go in." <laughs> Um, cause he could, cause he could, yeah, they're, they're, they're like, okay, try the jump. And he was right, like, he couldn't uh, plant. Right. And that, if that, if that happens, it becomes a little bit easier if he physically cannot do it. But if there's any, if it's close and Giannis wants to play, I don't know what you well, do through the bus. I, mean, I think that's what, I mean, that's, that, I think that's how he played. If nothing else, I think that's how he ended up playing today. Like I joked when they announced like, oh yeah, Giannis is playing. I was like, what would have to happen for Giannis not to play? Like after that injury, when he downplayed it and played the rest of the game, Una- unable to move, and even then, it's an ankle. Right. And that's the thing about this: it's an ankle. If it's if if it's really just an ankle sprain, it's really you know he could play. It, it may not go well at all. We we've seen obviously today he couldn't go back in, and that's not on him. Like anyone who's yeah. goes anyone who tries to say this is like Giannis being soft is out of their mind. Um, but it's it's a situation. I don't know. It, there's no win here for them uh, no, with that ankle it's, injury. It's, it's really tough. Um, and like the other thing is like, how do you get that energy back? Cause there is something where like when a guy goes down, everybody else goes, okay, we got to step up in game too. Yep. And they, and they kind of, they kind of do it, but there's a whole nother thing of realizing like, Oh my God, we have to do all of that again. Like we played that well and we won by three in overtime. Well, and if you, if you, if you take about, I mean, this is very simple in some ways, but if just math of it, they already don't, they already go too deep as it is. Like they're buds playing guys that probably shouldn't be playing with your, your Pat Connaughton's. Uh, if you take Giannis out completely, it doesn't, there's not a whole lot there. I mean, we love Marvin. Marvin's a good player, but they don't have a lot of front court options. Marvin played nicely in the fourth. I was impressed. Marvin giving them quality minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Mar- Marvin, Marvin can play, but it's, you also Marvin don't want Marvin to play 35 minutes for you. Cannot, cannot not. Duncan, oh my God, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, like, there's lots of you can't play the rover guy, <laughs> the guy whose like entire essence is jumping passing lanes and like slinking over for blocks. You can't play him on the forty eight percent shooter. No, who's it? Your entire job is stare him in the face and don't let him touch the ball. 
Connaughton just running around, jumping, aimless. I was, I was like, what are you doing? Like, I know you don't have a lot of options, but, like, anybody else? No, it's... Dante it's not, even it's, like it's just not going great. They're gonna have to play. I mean, you might even see you might even see Robin Lopez dusted off if you honest couldn't play in game five. There's just lots of stuff that can happen. Yeah, there's lots of options. Um, before we get carried away, a break for a second to hear from our sponsors on today's podcast. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like lemon almond cheesecake, caramel brownie, and a personal favorite of mine in cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and very importantly, they are all soft and easy to chew. And from there, it's crucial to note that Built Bars are even fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and Built Bar is even great for people on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on for $10 off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at DoorDash. You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and somebody else in the group is craving dessert. But fortunately, there's something for everybody on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is very easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting as DoorDash aims to keep communities safe. DoorDash has over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Puerto Rico. You can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when downloading the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget that is code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, Robbie, uh, final thing on the Bucks series anyway. Uh, I'm going to make you A, predict if they win another game, uh, Giannis in or out, I guess. Uh, you, can give the, you can give that caveat. And then uh, what do you think happens with Bud? If, if we assume they lose the series... You think Bud, do you think Bud gets fired? I know it's, it's we're guessing on things that we have no control over, but I have to ask you anyway. Um, man, like here's things like I I think they could get another game. I, if Giannis doesn't play, I, I don't think so. Um, but like if yep. Giannis can come back and play and kind of give him like the Luca off an ankle type boost, um, I think they could win game game five just because like. I really liked their approach defensively in the fourth quarter. And it was the first time that I really saw them really apply a lot of ball pressure on Dragic and Butler. And it made those two really uncomfortable. Um, and, and they weren't able to just get to their spots. Like Jimmy Butler in those two fourth quarters that he's gone off in, he's just been able to get to his spot game two. It was, it was Dragic who was just like walking to the rim. And it was because like, I, I, like I, game one, they didn't have blood. So to apply ball pressure game two, he was just coming back. And I don't think really fully trusted the hamstring, but he was up in Jimmy Butler's grill. He was up in Dragic. Like they were really getting after Dante was playing, playing up on guys. And I, I think they might've found something defensively um, because I think they had actually, the one thing I think they, that, but did adjust on was I think going into the series, he had them selling out more on the three point line than they usually do. And that didn't really work because it became 
Dragic and Butler getting to the rim, getting to the foul line, collapsing yeah. the defense. Um, and so I think they made an adjustment in this one to say, like, okay, like, Jay Crowder can shoot. And, like, he got hot early, but he keeps shooting. And, like, eventually he regresses to the mean. So it's kind of nice when you see Crowder make a bunch early because you go, okay, if we can weather this, he's going to shoot him out of it in the fourth. I and mean, he took some horrid shots late. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> their, offense, just, their offense fell apart, by the way. Miami's offense just stopped yeah. being coherent for, like, the last five minutes of the fourth and all of overtime. They just stopped running stuff. And, you know, yeah, and walk- it's because of ball pressure. And, it's be- and, like, I think the answer is they had their most success in this game, I think, when they ran uh, stuff through Bam at the high post, like those dribble handoffs with Duncan were really effective. Uh, he had eight assists on the game. He was When he was involved, they were good. It's when they went away from that uh, that I think they had the biggest issues. And I, I, would, I, would, I think that's a way to kind of counteract that ball pressure is work your guys off the ball a little more, have Bam facilitate from the top of the post. Um, but, like, I, I liked what I saw defensively there. Like you said, they might have found some stuff offensively. Part of that was just Chris making some incredible shots. But Bledsoe got downhill a lot better. Uh, they got Brooke Lopez involved, which I think they haven't done enough of this series in general uh, because he is an actual mismatch for them uh, against this Miami team. As a massive uh, human being that he is. He's yeah. giant and he can shoot. And that's tough, tough to deal with. Um, so I think they could get a game if Giannis plays. If he doesn't, I just, it's just hard for me to see how they score enough. You yeah, know, I mean, like, without, without Giannis, they'll be – yeah. I would imagine they'll be a five plus point underdog if Giannis doesn't play. Yeah. Um, and that's right. I mean, they, they can, they could win without Giannis. Yeah. We saw it. They basically did it today, but uh, it, it's tough to say that they're going to win a game without and, Giannis. And then your second question with Bud, like Who it knows? feels, <laughs> it feels like he's gone. Like it, it does. Like it, it's, you know, maybe they rally. And if they, they really come together here late, well, some of the I quotes could, for, I mean, we don't know this, but some of the quotes from Giannis about minutes, and he just like he, he just kind of says like whatever coach thinks, like coach very thinks. very much not taking uh, very much not agreeing publicly, not not disagreeing necessarily, but just right. deferring to Bud is not the greatest thing in the world. It doesn't mean it's damning necessarily, but my eyebrows raise when Giannis does that and doesn't really just take. It was. You know, I'm not trying to say he's putting it on Bud, but it's clear that he would like to play more minutes at least well, before the injury. Like, like, I don't blame him. Like I, I no. think it's part of it is this is always how Giannis has been. Like Giannis is is rarely one to like demand stuff publicly. Yep. Um, but at the same time, like I think you know he's going to say like I feel good. I feel like I could play more, but like I think part of it is he feels like that's the right thing to do. Say so I'm going to do whatever coach does. Like he's very much of that like. He, he is reverential to coaches in a, in, a, in a sense. I mean, he famously loved Jason Kidd in that style. Um, <laughs> yes. He coached hard like he, he did. Um, and so I think he, he genuinely thinks like this is kind of what I'm supposed to do. But at the same time, there is a lot of like it just feels like he's trying not to disagree, but also is like, look, like I should be playing more. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like to me, too. Uh, we'll see what happens with Bud, obviously. Uh, if he becomes a free agent again, I think Bud would be in demand, uh, as he should be. He's a good basketball coach. Uh, yes. And the only the other thing that I will say that I have not mentioned on this podcast yet about Bud 
is that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, the Bucks are a small market franchise, and he has two years left on his deal. So, yeah. just want to say that out loud. Uh, a lot, a yeah. lot of, a lot of franchises might balk at that. I know, like you said, like I said, if Giannis says to them, "I don't, I don't want him here," they're gonna do, they're gonna do it. But if yeah. if 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 Giannis doesn't do that, they might uh, consider holding on to Bud for a lot of sure. reasons. But one of them could be money um, in the middle sure. of all of this, and paying two coaches is not uh, not fun, especially when I assume if they hire a new coach and want to keep Giannis, you're gonna be paying uh, a lot of money for that new coach because it'll be someone yeah. with a big name yeah. like Ty Lue or something. So uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, honestly, uh, I think that's that's one of the reasons that we haven't seen a lot of movement on the coaching carousel yet, aside from Steve Nash. Like, I feel like Lou is kind of holding out. That I mean, he might be. That's I mean, just that's just a gut feel. Like, if you're talking about like, where can I go win a championship? Man, that's the job. Yeah. If if that job's going to be, cool. if there's a chance that job opens, and if you're Ty Lou, you might be the number one name on the market. Uh, unless Mike D'Antoni gets fired for some reason, um, which he might. Uh, one of those guys will be the top names on the market. And I know Philly's open, but Milwaukee's a better job than Philly. Um, if you honestly sign me up for D'Antoni in Milwaukee. Yeah, that would be extremely weird and fun. Uh, I would be all like, in. Talk about yeah. a 180 from Bud. Yeah, it would be interesting. <laughs> uh, love- I want to oh. ask about the, about the other series, too, before we get yeah. out of here. Because um, it's, it's a true coin flip in every sense of the word. Like, even well, every point spreads within, like, a like a point and a half, two points. Uh, and this is, of course, the Raptors that we're talking about now. Yeah. Uh, now it's 2-2 after the Raptors roar back. There was the crazy mm-hmm. uh, OG walk-off shot um, three or four days ago now. Uh, they played great. They played game, great in Game Four. Game Five is Monday night. Uh, I don't really have a pick. I've been kind of leaning Raptors the whole time. And then they got down two nothing, and I was like, okay, I can't pick the Raptors anymore. And then they came <laughs> back. And now it's two two. So uh, I have no thoughts really, other than the defense has been so good. So it's my kind of series. Both these teams are dominating defensively in this entire series, and the coaching has been really awesome. It's not like the flashy, you know, crazy score series, but uh, a lot of drama and just two really good basketball teams. Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is the series we hoped would happen. I think there was a fear, especially late in Game 3, that we weren't going to get it because, like, you know, once Kemba made that little just filthy drop-off pass to Tice, you were like, oh, man, is they really going to go up 3-0? It um, felt over in that moment. I mean, obvious, obviously, like, <laughs> up to. Both of those East series, and, like, thing is, like, Bucks Heat has been competitive. Like, it's not yeah. like the Heat have just been – like stomping the bucks throughout. They've just been way better executing late and that's what matters. Um, but this, this Raptors Celtics series, we deserved a long series. We deserved six or seven and that's what we're going to get. And like, I'm with you, like defensively, it is incredible to watch. You have Boston who we all were like, okay, how are they going to still be a good defensive team without Al Horford, without Aaron Baines, without really anybody that you trust in the center and they've gotten great production from Tice. Like I said earlier, like Stevens pressing the Robert Williams button in this series has given them uh, some much needed athleticism at the rim, um, which I, I think really helps against a team that wants to go downhill as hard as um, Toronto. Like just having a bouncy help side defender is like really helpful. Um, and just like, you know, Toronto throwing every zone that has ever been concocted at Boston, uh, <laughs> moving their big men around. Like sometimes Serge will be in the middle of a one, two of a two, one, two. Sometimes he's in the middle of a two, three. Sometimes he's at the top of a three, two. Sometimes they're running boxing one. 
it's it's really awesome to watch and there's also still really good shot making and playmaking that we're seeing um I think we've seen both teams ride the three-point roller coaster at this point. And, and I'm really excited to see what the series looks like if we kind of get some even shooting. Because so far we've had Boston shoot the lights out and Toronto be unable to shoot, right, in the first two games. And then middle of game three, that kind of flipped. And you suddenly had Toronto shooting – and now it's Boston that for the last six quarters hasn't been able to buy three-pointers. Uh, Jalen Brown couldn't make anything uh, in game four. Um, you know, it's, and so I, I kind of want to see both these teams shoot like – both shoot like 36% from deep for a game just to to kind of get an even matchup because it's been some weird, weird runs. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I think – it's if it comes down to playmaking, like I think Eileen Boston um, because of Tatum and Brown and Kemba. Um, Kemba's been awesome in this series. Yeah, he was. You know? He was not. He was not great in Game Four. He was kind of passive, weirdly, in Game Four, and he yeah. owned that after the game. But the first three games, he was really, really good. Uh, the problem, the thing, the thing about Boston is that what they can, what, what they have to avoid is having two of those guys be bad at the same time, which is you know most of, most of the time right. that's not going to happen. In Game but Four, Jalen Jalen was bad, and Kemba was bad, and Tatum wasn't his best either. So you kind of right. got the game, uh, game Three, kind of Tatum kind of fell to the wayside. Um, and you know, in Toronto, Toronto, you know, to their credit, this is kind of overused, but these, these guys are winners. Like the Raptors, just do all the stuff that you're supposed to do to win basketball games. They don't have that number one guy. Obviously, Siakam has been much better the last game and a half. Um, he was truly brutal yeah. in the first two plus games. He was, uh, bad. He was bad then. And then, but I mean, they have Lowry's making every play possible. Van Vliet does Van Vliet stuff. Uh, I would play Marcus all less if I was Toronto in the series. He's not been uh, particularly great. He was better in game He's four, but bad. I think, I think the reason they play him is on, like, so late, I think they were playing Mark until he fouled out in the last game. Like, I think Tyler. they were just like, yeah. Cause like the thing was, is like, they, I think they were happy to bring Serge back in. And, let, and I think they were just like, all right, Mark, like you get six, you know, like I think he, I, uh, honestly, he, took him. he took him. I think that's kind of where they're at with him. It's like, you know, if you're playing, if you're only playing seven guys like Gasol and Gasol is one of those seven, like, I don't know. I, like, I don't know where else you go. Like, do you, like Chris Boucher, like, I don't think you want to really throw him in this series. Um, so like, if you're only playing seven dudes, like Gasol's got to play yeah. 20 plus. He's got to play. But I mean, I would, I, think, I, I personally I would just use Siakam. At, that, yeah. I would use Siakam at the five more than they have so far. That's a small mm-hmm. tweak. Nick, Nick nurse is really good at this. Um, that would be the only thing that I would try maybe a little bit more because Boston doesn't have anybody that can really punish Siakam um, if you're playing sure. that small. And I, 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 I just think that Norm Powell is better than Marcus All, if that makes sense, at this moment Norm in this series. moments in this series where I just... That's true. Decision-making yeah. has black And that's probably why you haven't seen Norm Powell more, and that's that's the reason why maybe you wouldn't go as small. But uh, there's something a lot of fun about that Ananobi Siakam 4-5 that would be just uh, very intriguing the, for me. Boston's the, 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 same, Boston's the same way. Boston has so many guys they could throw at people. I mean, between Williams and uh, they're, they're going through uh, – sorry, Robert Williams. They're going through Grant Williams and Semi. And I, I love Semi, but he's interesting. He's sort of a roller coaster ride sometimes. Um, that, so that, that, that young man, uh, he's got to learn how to put the ball on the floor without traveling. He does, he travels like three times a game. 
No, they, they like, um, I'll say that Semi is, it's Semi and Grant that do similar things. Semi is a much better shooter, but Grant's kind of better at like everything else. Um, other than uh, maybe perimeter defense. Semi's like the more you throw him on Siakam and that might work very well. But those guys are both offensive liabilities. I love Grant Williams, but he's probably not a great offensive fit in this series. They're just trying to steal some minutes. I mean, they're both, yeah. both these teams are playing pretty shallow. Toronto is like comically shallow. Guys are playing 44, 45 minutes a night it. and they should. It's fun. They're the anti-Bucks, to your point earlier yes. on the podcast, when like Lowry's seven forty-five 45 if, minute if games. Nick Nurse, if Nick Nurse could just play a starting five for 48, he would. Uh, and he might he might do that in game seven. He can sit, he would he will consider it. If the, if, and I love. I it. mean, honestly, that's what they did in the second half, especially in the last two games, knowing that they couldn't afford to lose either of them. They basically played their three or their three guys the entire Balls half, and that's what you got to do, I guess. In the, at this point in time, like, it's winner go home. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as this year, like I think if it comes up like. I'm with you. I mean, it's so hard to predict just because like I look at the playmakers that Boston has and I go, okay, like I trust them a little more, namely because I just don't trust Siakam. Yeah. Like honestly, that's the biggest thing in Boston's favor in this series is that everyone, I think everyone now outside of maybe Toronto trusts Tatum versus Siakam. They're going to lean to Tatum. They just, they just are. And it's not, it's not, it's not one-on-one. But if you line up the one through four of the playmakers in the series, it's supposed to be Tatum versus Siakam, uh, and it's yeah. not. I mean, T- Tatum is just, you know, T- and K- Tatum and Kemba are probably one and two in terms of just playmaking the series. I know I-, I do I do trust Kyle Lowry a lot, but yeah. offense offense only, it's probably Tatum and Kemba one and two, and that's not a great situation if you're the other team. I'll say this: I have loved the cross matching in the series on defense. Oh yeah. Kyle Lowry on Jason, like Jason Tatum, basically had a no moss moment in Game Four. Oh yeah, he doesn't. I mean, no one wants to deal with Kyle Lowry, but he he's done with Kyle Lowry. I'm, like, <laughs> he's not enjoying. He has that. had like four games of this, and he is done with it. Like he had like there, he got fouled by Lowry, and he was just sitting on the floor, and he was just like shaking his head and like looking at. I think it was Jalen Brown coming over to pick him up. It was just like, like get this guy what, out of here. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Well, this and especially just, if he's not it's shooting like the jump a shot well. Mosquito biting you for forty minutes. Well, right, and the only the only way the only way for someone to beat Lowry in that situation is to just shoot over him. And Tatum can Tatum can do that, but if he's not cooking with his jumper, that's mm-hmm. kind of it in terms of him going. Well, and that's Lowry. a win for Toronto if he's right. just trying to rise up. You know, like you're getting out of your game. It's the same thing with like, and I know we're not talking about the West series, but the same thing with like the Lakers insisting on like posting up the Rockets. It's like, that's not your advantage against Houston. They you want don't you want to do that. Yeah. Like you want to go down, you want to figure out how to get downhill against Houston. Cause your advantage is verticality. It's not physicality. Like Anthony Davis is not stronger than PJ Tucker. I promise you that we've not, we've now seen that. And also it's the advantage of the other Raptors having these two guards. They can have, they can just say, all right, Fred, you got to guard Kemba now. And Kyle is going to go guard Jason Tatum because they're not worried about Jalen Brown. He might, he might beat Norm Powell, but you know, when you have, you have Ananobi too, like they have, they have options. Um, they're all, I mean, Toronto, this is the thing that I love about them the entire time is that unless they're playing Matt Thomas, like you referenced earlier, every single guy in the rotation, there's no one to pick on, man. They don't have anybody to pick on defensively. Like, like Miami, Miami's got Dragic. Miami's got Hero. Miami's got Robinson. 
Uh, Boston's got Kemba a little bit. He'll compete, but he's still not great defensively. Most teams yeah, if have a, not drawing charges. He's in trouble, right? M- most teams have a guy or two you can at least try to target. Toronto doesn't yeah. have one of those guys well, not, anywhere. You can't even hunt a switch for him because, like I said, I mean, like, like okay, Lowry's happy to defend the bigger guy because he just gets up under you. I mean, maybe maybe Honestly, if you get, I, I, uh, I'm not sure there are more like I would love to see a Boston Houston series. Like, oh my gosh, like just well, for the, for my my enjoyment. Yeah, the thing is, I should say this. humans. (laughs) Boston did have some success getting Mark Gasol like way up the floor on Kemba uh, in game three. Because Mark is a limited athlete at this point, but he's so smart that he makes up for it for the most part. But that is maybe the one spot, just athletically, if you get him in space at this point, it's not ideal. But even then, like you have to really, really scheme that out. And Kemba had it going before, but if he's not not cooking, that isn't going to work either. So, I don't know. It's not an offensive first series by any means, but people also, know that. Surge, also, Surge is OKC Surge. Like, I think Toronto wins this. And Surge is like, playing if well. Keeps being this, if he keeps doing what he's doing right now, like, that can swing. Like, he had, what, like, four threes? I think he was four for four in game four. God, three, just... Which is not sustainable, but he's shooting the ball with confidence. No, it's not sustainable at all. Uh, but yeah. again, like I said, small sample size. It is. That's all that matters at it this could, point in time. It, it could, that's, all, that's all you care about. I think, uh, to bring this full circle, I think I'm leaning Boston in seven, um, but I think the only thing that I would uh, be convinced of is that it's going to go seven. I would certainly pick it to go seven at this point in time. Uh, it doesn't mean it will, but this is just so close that if anybody tells you that they're really convinced either, on either side, I would be skeptical of that. I think it's just truly like a 52-48 kind of series. They're very, very even now that it's back to 2-2. Um, obviously, Boston had the advantage before, but they gave it up now, so we're back. Uh, do, are you leaning Boston, ultimately? Yeah, I think I lean Boston against because of the playmaking. Like, and and that's not to say Toronto doesn't have playmaking, but again, like when it comes down to these late game situations, like prove us wrong, Pascal. Prove us wrong. Yeah, no, I would love it, (laughs) and like, but like Pascal's got to be willing to shoot. Like, if he's not trusting that jumper, it's so easy to build that wall on him. You know, it's kind of a Giannis thing. Like, he he just he's had a bunch of catch and shoot looks. And it's very clear that he doesn't want to take them, and it makes it easier to defend their half court offense. And that and that's been their issue all year is the half court. Um, part of it is like how hard it's been for Toronto to get two wins. Yep. Um, Just to score right. the whole series, really. I mean, as much as we, as much as I really like a lot of these guys, uh, it has been a chore for them to score consistently the entire series. And it's made it fun to watch. But yeah, I'm with you. I think I lean Boston, but like. In no way am I slamming the stone cold lock of the week on it or anything. Oh, like, no, no, do not I bet would, on this. <laughs> don't, I, honestly, I want nothing to do with betting on the series. Like, aside from like, I like betting the dogs in this. The series. only, the only thing that I liked the entire the entire series really was Toronto in Game Three. I was very convinced that yeah. Toronto was going to win Game Three, and even then, I was probably wrong until they made a miracle. So uh, that's, that's great. Also, what have the totals been? Because like unders. I think they've been under awesome. for the most part. I'm now going to look at this while we're talking, but um, yeah, the defense has been good enough for I mean, it. Might be four zero. Three, like it might be four zero. I'm looking. I'm looking to confirm, but it feels like a four zero against the uh, against the uh, totals in this series. And you know, you and I don't bet overs. That doesn't really happen in the world. <laughs> um, it's yeah, really it's uh, it's four zero to the under so far in the series. So. I'm and just, honestly, I, I they, what are they going to adjust? Are they going to adjust enough? I don't know. Well, here's the thing. It's it's not even been close. It's been more than it's been more than ten points under in every in all four games. Mm. 
And they have adjusted. It's been down. It's actually gone down the last two games in a row. It was down to two fifteen and a half in game four. The last one and, was one ninety three, is what it finished on. So like, correct. It was still twenty two points under. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. yeah. Always default. Always default under, folks. Always default under. Um, all right, Robbie, you've uh, given me a lot of time while you are doing other things, my, and I appreciate my roux, my roux is a deep brown now. It's about time to start this gumbo. That's what I've been working on here. Robbie's Robbie's it's cooking, which is uh, a baby. I tweeted this just now, but uh, a tour de force from you while, while while cooking a meal and doing a podcast at the same time. So thank you for that. Like, we're just we're just stirring a roux. This is this is good thinking time here. <laughs> anything to plug, my friend? Puncast? Anything else? Anything else going on? Uh, Puncast is back. Riding should be weekly now. College football is it's happening. Uh, for better or worse, it's happening. There were, ga- there were games on Saturday. We watched some they of were, them. Yeah, they were terrible, but they were yes. games. Yes, there were. Uh, one one and zero, friend. One and zero. Shouts to uh, shouts to a miracle under on Thursday night. Um, yeah, podcast back. Uh, we got lots of playoff content over on Dime. Check it out. Read up. Analysis. Funny. Takeaways from every game. Uh, written by you Take-aways and me a lot. Game thoughts, takes. Grinding, man. Uh, no, it's been good. Um, it's nice to be back in kind of the full swing of things again. Absolutely. And uh, we will talk on this medium, I'm sure, in the near future. Follow Robbie, check out the podcast, subscribe to this podcast, and we will see you later on in the week.